Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. In my work, I'm blessed to meet so many amazing young people, whether they're college students or young professionals in their careers or high school students. And I love hearing about their faith. I love hearing about their questions and the the challenges that they're facing in the culture today. And there's one common story I hear over and over again. They'll say things like this. Hey, I, I work in the public sphere or I go to a, a, a secular university. I go to public school and things are very open where I work or where I study. And there's diverse beliefs, diverse lifestyles, and people just live very differently from our life as Catholics. And I remember talking to one young man who said this. He said, you know, my friends at my school, they, they ask me, why, why does the Catholic Church hate us? So these are people that live different kinds of lifestyles, and 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 they're feeling that the Catholic Church hates them. And, and this young man told me, he said, you know, well, I tell them we don't hate you, and, you know, we can be friends, and we can get along, and you're cool, you know, you, you do you, and, and I'll do me, and it's all good. Now, there's a lot that this young man did that was very good. It's important that we tell people that have different beliefs, that have different lifestyles, that we as Catholics don't hate them. The Catholic Church doesn't hate anyone. We love everyone. We, we can get along with people we disagree with. We can be friends with people that we disagree with. In fact, that's one of the great principles of being Catholic is that we could see the truth, the goodness that's found in other religions, other points of view, other lifestyles. It doesn't mean that we think the whole thing is true and the whole thing is good, but we can appreciate and uh, the, the goodness and truth that's found in other religions, other perspectives, other philosophies, other lifestyles. And those can be common points for conversation, for dialogue. That's very Catholic. So I like what this young man was doing in, in, in that part of his conversation with his friends. But I did invite him, and I invite all of us, to reconsider this popular line that is thrown around in the culture today. You do you. You do you. Is that an authentic Christian response? That's what I want to look at today. What are the roots of this popular philosophy summed up in the expression, you be you or you do you? I want to take a look at that. And what should a Christian say in response to that popular slogan? That's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to give a warm shout out to the many different places around the country that I've been speaking at and Lenten missions recently. Over the last month in the month of March, I've been to St. Michael's Parish in St. Michael's, Minnesota, north of the Twin Cities. Amazing parish Lenten mission there. Uh, really excited to, to have met so many wonderful, faithful people there, as well as locally, right in my own hometown in the Denver area, in Lakewood, Colorado, at St. Jude's Parish, and All Souls in Sanford, Florida, just north of Orlando, and the Fullness of Truth Conference, the many people that came out to that conference in Corpus Christi, Texas. So I've been blessed to meet just a lot of faithful people all around the country. It's exciting to see people coming back to their churches again, churches fully alive and in fellowship together. It's been awesome. So to many of you, especially just checking out the show for the first time, uh, thanks for having me come visit, and thanks for checking out the show. You know, I when I've been traveling, I, I always notice this in my Denver airport. So I live in the Denver area, and in our airport, there's these signs all over the place, these advertisements that have this has this woman, and she's holding her little I don't know guitar or ukulele, and it and it says "You be you, 
you be you. So this this philosophy is very popular. We we see it in all this propaganda. There's all this advertisement. You be you, or like this young man in the story I opened up with saying, "You do you." Where does this come from? And is that a healthy approach to think about life? You know, when we see people in our lives, friends, family members, or just people that we work with, people out in the culture that are living a life far away from God, that are living a life away from God's plan, do we want to just say, you do you, you be you? I'm going to say a couple things. First of all, you know, I I think it's important to contextualize this conversation and to realize that, that the last thing any wise person for the last, you know, two to 3,000 years would advise someone is to say, you do you or you be you. <laughs> you see, uh, this is something Pope Benedict beautifully brings out. And you've heard me talk about it. I wrote a whole book about this, that Pope Benedict says that, that in the modern era, we have lost the art of living, that we don't know how to live life well, that, that there's this wonderful tradition on how to live friendship how to live in community together, how to deal with conflict, like when there's conflict and tension. You know, our young people today, they don't know how to deal with conflict. Many of them just run away whenever there's conflict. There's conflict in the workplace, so I just avoid that person. There's conflict in these friendships, so I just won't hang out with them anymore. There's conflict in a dating relationship, so I just ghost them. <laughs> I won't reply to their text messages. I won't return their calls. I, I just just ignore them. And so the other person is wondering, are we still dating? What happened? No, I just got ghosted. So young people today don't know how to deal with conflict. We've lost the art of living, just basic humanity. Uh, young people today don't know how to look someone in the eye. They don't know how to have a confident job interview. They're always looking down on their phones and they're swayed by social media. It's hard for them to enter into conversation with each other. It's not just young people, it's older people today. Many people don't know how to live marriage. They don't know how to raise children. How do you do parenting? How do you do discipline? How do you build a, a good culture in the home for the children? We've lost the basics, Pope Benedict has said, and you've heard me talk about this in previous episodes. We don't know how the, to live the basics. And, and, and I like to say that these are just the ABCs of how to live life. And, and yes, they come from the Christian tradition that you can find it in the Bible. You find it in many great saints and theologians for 2000 years. The art of living was being passed on, summed up in the tradition of the virtues. And this great tradition goes even back further than the early Christians and Jesus and the apostles. It goes back into the Jewish tradition. In the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament, they talk about the four virtues known as the cardinal virtues, prudence, wise decision-making. That's prudence and courage, the ability to, when you make a good decision and, and you run up against difficulties, you you have the courage to to persevere, to, to do hard things for the sake of the good thing you're trying to pursue. You also need temperance or self-control to keep you on the right path. You're not distracted by pleasure, by other things and that, that might keep you away from the true good. And we live in justice, meaning that we fulfill when we're pursuing whatever good we're pursuing. We, we always do it in the context of fulfilling our responsibilities to God and to the people in our lives. We need justice. So these four basic virtues, I know they're kind of basic. And again, you've all heard me talk about this in previous episodes, but these are just the basic ABCs of how to live life. And they're not being passed on anymore. You know, if you were an ancient Jewish man, you know, back in the Old Testament scriptures, this is just what a father would train his son in. You can read about this in the Old Testament. They talk about the, the, the cardinal virtues. 
This is what, you know, in, in the early Christian period, uh, this is what you, you would pass on to your children. This is what a, a priest would pass on to his, the people at his church. This is what a bishop would pass on to his flock. It was training people, yes, in the Bible, yes, in the theology of the church, but it was also just the basics of how to live life. How do you live friendship? How do you deal with conflict? How, how do you how do you have good romantic dating relationships? How do you how do you build a strong marriage? How do you how do you raise children? These are just the basics that are summed up in the virtues. There is a beautiful way of living life, the art of living that was passed on from father to son, from grandfather to grandson, from uncle to nephew. It was passed on in the workshop. It was passed on in the fields. It was passed on at the church. It was passed on in society, in the culture, in the, in the way that the people passed on education. And yet in the last, oh, 50 years, but even further back, last 150 years, there's been a, a strong movement to withhold from people the basics of the art of living. That, that today people grow up and they learn math and they learn the alphabet and they learn science and they learn how to build bridges and rocket ships and uh, learn about medicine and technology. But we don't know how to do the most basic things like friendship and love and marriage and family. We've lost the art of living. And I'll just say this, I grew up in you know the 1980s, 1990s and I remember hearing this idea, you know, but cloaked in different language. I remember us being told in Catholic schools, even, and, and, and I heard it in public schools. I heard it on Catholic retreats, be yourself, be your own person. <laughs> and I remember being like a young, you know, high school kid or young adult going, well, be yourself. Like, what kind of advice is that? I mean, who else am I going to be? I, that, that's not helpful. We want to pass on the art of living. We want to pass on the way of life that great thinkers throughout the centuries have given a lot of thought to, to happiness and how do we, how do we live ha in a way that makes us happy? How do we get along together in society well? How do we live in, in family? How do we experience love? There's been a lot of wisdom throughout the last 3,000 years on this topic, and yet the modern era, the modern philosophy is like, oh, that's just old. You know, we, we don't want to listen to that old stuff. We don't need tradition or that's just from religion and Christianity. We don't need that. So what do we get instead? We get you do you. <laughs> that, that's what we get in our school systems today. That's what we get reinforced in the culture, in social media, in Hollywood, on Netflix. You do you. And I'm sorry, that's just not helpful. And I'm telling you, I work with young people. <laughs> I work with them and they're just desperately wanting advice. I want to know how do I, how do I do dating? That's what they want to know. I mean, there's, there's YouTube videos and even whole programs that Catholics run on how to ask a girl out on a date. You know, here's the plan. Here's the dating project. Here you go. You know, I mean, and, and again, it's wonderful. We need that today, but it's just a sign of how depraved we've become. I mean, these are just the basic, this isn't complicated stuff. This is just the basic ABCs of how to live life. And we haven't been passing it on the last several generations, the last couple of, uh, uh, last, certainly last several decades, but even back, I would say last couple of centuries, there's been an ideological movement to reject tradition, to reject the art of living, to reject uh, the, the wisdom of our elders, the wisdom of centuries past, to say, let's be modern, let's be progressive, we're going to just figure out life on our own. And young people are struggling. They're like, I don't know how to do dating. I, and I look out in the culture and it's just the hookup culture and it's using people. And, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't think that works, but I don't know how to do it. And I hear it from people when they're engaged and they want to build a strong marriage. They're like, I, 
I didn't have good role models. My my parents broke up or, or, or was a dysfunctional relationship. I mean, they stayed together, but there wasn't a lot of authentic love in the home. And how do you, how do you, how do you do marriage? I hear from so many young parents. How do you do parenting? How do we discipline our kids? How, how do we, how do we train our children? How, how do you do parenting? Again, we've lost the basics. And so in our culture, when we have this little slogan, you do you, you know, you be you, it's just, it leaves people very, very restless, unsure of how to live life. We're withholding from them the great tradition of the art of living. You know, the second thing I would say is this, you do you. If somebody said that to me, I would say, I don't want to do me. (laughs) I know me and I don't want to do me. (laughs) I want to do Jesus. (laughs) You know, in other words, I, I know myself. I know that, yes, there's a lot of good qualities. You know, I don't have false humility here. And I know that I sincerely do care about other people and I, I do love God and I love my wife and I love that my coworkers and I want to serve. I want to be a good man of character, but I also know my heart is full of selfishness. Yeah, I know I could be selfish. I, I know I can struggle with pride. I can struggle with vanity. I could struggle with anger. I could struggle with greed. I could struggle with lust. I mean, I, I have these in me. So I don't want to do me. I want to do Jesus. <laughs> and, and this is what the Bible tells us, right? That the, that the whole process of, of living a, a good, holy life, is in, it involves dying to myself and taking on the character of Christ. St. Paul describes it as, you know, you leave the old man behind and you take on the new man. You take on Christ. You put on Christ. The natural man, St. Paul says, the fallen man, fallen human nature is, is led by the flesh, meaning we just give in to our selfish interest. We give in to our own self-centeredness. But the supernatural man, transformed by grace, is led by the spirit and begins to love like Jesus, begins to serve like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus to be sacrificial like Jesus, to be patient like Jesus is patient, we begin to take on his qualities. But here's the problem. The you-do-you philosophy that's so popular in the culture today, it's ultimately rooted in a belief that there's no original sin. It rejects the idea of original sin. It's rooted in kind of this more romantic philosophy. There's a period of uh, known as the Romantic Movement, you know, say, you know, roughly the middle 1800s, you know, people like Ralph Waldo Emerson would be a, a big leader here, or earlier than that, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau in France and and others, where it was a movement that, you know, said, be true to yourself, search inside, look for your feelings and and be true to that. But but what they're, they're saying is that they really believe if you just look inside yourself, you're just going to find this beautiful little angel in there that there's no original sin, there's no weakness, there's no kind of self-centeredness. It's just, you know, just search your feelings deep inside and those feelings are really good. So you tell that to a 17-year-old boy who has lustful thoughts for this girl in her, his class, those feelings, search inside, those are good? You know, you know, you know that, that boy needs to hear, you know what, maybe you, you have some interest in her and you can appreciate her beauty, but you do not want to reduce her to a body to be used in your lustful thoughts. And you do want do not want to reduce her to a body that can be exploited for your sexual gratification when you sleep with her. No, no. You know, <laughs> we want to train this man in self-control, train him in chastity so that he can love his sister in Christ, not use her. So when we don't believe in original sin anymore, we don't really believe that we're wounded 
you know, we believe that all the problems in the world are not inside me, they're out there in the world. Well, then you do you make sense. Right? Of course, we'll just, yeah, just search inside, follow your feelings. They're, they're all good. Those feelings are noble. And, and all those feelings will lead you to, to happiness. Well, that is a lie. That is a lie from the devil. Because we are fallen. Here's reality, my friends. And we have to remember this for ourselves. And we have to remind our children of this. You know, we're not rotten human beings. We're not completely corrupt, like some Christians might say. That's not a Catholic view. But the, the Catholic view is also we're not, you know, little angels either. <laughs> you know, we're not, we do have original sin, which means we're wounded. Doesn't mean we're all bad, but we are wounded. We do have a tendency towards sin, a tendency toward pride, a tendency toward putting ourselves before others, a tendency to not care for the people around us. We have that tendency. And so we have to be aware of that. And the you do you, the you be you philosophy that's out there denies that. I don't want to do me. Again, I want to do Jesus. I want Jesus's spirit transforming me, changing my weak, fearful heart, changing my selfish heart, changing my lustful or prideful heart. I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to change me. I don't want to do me. I want to do Jesus. Now, in terms of, you know, when we're working with other people, people out there in the culture, people of different religious backgrounds, people of different lifestyles, people that do things differently in their sexuality than a Christian disciple would do. What do we do with them? You know, you know, I, I don't think we should say you do you, but, but the one thing I really did like about this young man and what he said to, to his friends was, you know, he, he wanted to basically affirm their dignity. Now he didn't say it that way, but that's what he was trying to do. He wanted to say, no, no, we, we do love you. You know, we, we can be friends. He wanted to show them respect. And I think that's important. I think too often Christians, they just kind of like, you know, point out all the faults in other religions or other philosophies or other lifestyles. And they're quick to just notice the faults. And don't get me wrong. We need to, we need to see clearly that there's things that are off, things that aren't helpful in some of these other things, but, but let's see the good. And, and just because someone has a different religious belief, a different philosophy, a different lifestyle, doesn't mean they don't have dignity. They are, they are children of God. No matter what someone's belief might be, no matter what lifestyle they might live, they, they are children of God. They are made in the image and likeness of God. And as a human person, we owe them great respect. We respect their dignity. We, we, we should love them. We should you know, try to go out to them. We, we want them to feel comfortable. We want them to, uh, I mean, what I mean by comfortable, I guess we want them to feel welcomed. You know, I don't want them to feel like, ooh, you know, we look down on them and all. You know, I, I, I would want all these people to know we welcome you. Even if we disagree with you, we can, we can still have a dialogue. I, I, the last thing, it makes me really sad if someone thinks that we hate them just because they have a different belief, a different religion, a different lifestyle. So it was really good that this young man in the story I just told wanted to, to reach out to them and make them feel not hated, to make them feel that they, they are respected for who they are. And we can respect people we disagree with. I have many good friends that I have, diff I have different disagreements on, different philosophies, people of different religions, people of different lifestyles, but we can talk together. And they know that I, you know, that we disagree, but they also know that I don't hate them. And they know that we can be friends in our disagreement even. But here's the last thing I think is important to highlight is that if we really love these people, we do need to share with them the better way, the way of Jesus Christ. 
in the right time and in the right way. We don't have to rush all this, but, but Pope Francis emphasizes this, that yes, we want to go out to people we disagree with, out to people that have different lifestyles and love them, welcome them, even pray with them, you know, but we, but we also, he says, we also need to show them a better way. And that's, that's, that's the key thing here, because that's what love is. Love is to will the good of the other. I come back to that point over and over again. What is true love? That's right from the catechism, quoting Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas. Love is to will the good of the other, to, to seek what's best for the other person. And so if I really love someone and I see they're doing something that's off, something that's hurting themselves or maybe hurting someone else, I should tell them about it. You know, I think about my kids. I remember my kids building a fort. You know, they're, they're moving furniture around and they're excited. They've got the couches and the pillows and the sheets and they're, they're building this big fort. And then I see that they want to move a bookcase. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's dangerous. You know, that bookcase could f- easily tip over and fall on them. It could fall on their little sibling. And, and that, would, that could be really, really hurtful for them, right? So if I see my kids building the fort and I see them moving the bookcase, do I just say, oh, hey, you do you. Yep, you do you. I mean, I wouldn't do that. You know, I'll do me. I wouldn't do that, but you do you. <laughs> no, I love them. I don't want them to hurt themselves. So, so I intervene because I love them. I want what's best for them. So if we love people, we want to talk to them about the things that they're doing that might hurt themselves or hurt others. If you have a friend that says, hey, I'm thinking of experimenting with drugs. Do you just say, hey, man, you know, if it works for you, you do you, <laughs> you know? no, that's not good for them. They'll get addicted and their life could be ruined. I know people that just, I'm just going to try it. Good Christians, really holy Christian men that were serving people with drug addicts. They were serving drug addicts on the streets and lovingly caring for them for years. But one day they got it in their head that I just want to experience what it's like, you know, where they're coming from. I just want to understand. So I'm just going to try a little bit. And that one little bit ruined their life. And and they find themselves in rehab, find themselves on the streets and homeless. I mean, if you're a good friend, you tell that person, no, don't do that. Don't experiment with that drug. You don't say you do you. Same thing if you're, you know, your, your teenage boy comes home, you know, from high school and says, hey, can I look at porn? I want to look at porn. You don't just say, hey, you do you. Because porn is so addictive, just like a drug. <laughs> it is so addictive and it could ruin your life. Or if your friend at work says, you know, it tells you, he's honest. I, I've, I've worked with people in the past. I remember in my secular career, before I did theology, I remember hearing guys talk about their struggles in their marriage and they're thinking about cheating on their wife, that there's this other woman that they work with and they're, and they're open, they're sharing this with me. I, I didn't say to them, hey, oh, well, hey, you do you. You know, you be you if that, that's what you want to do. I mean, I wouldn't do that if I, you know, but you, no, I was like, no, don't do that. Because <laughs> I know it, it, it'll, it'll, really, it'll really hurt them hurt their marriage, hurt themselves. You see, in the end, we have to remember God has a plan for our lives, a wonderful, beautiful plan for our lives. God made us. He knows how we work and he loves us. And he, he made us to live a, a, a ways, in a way so that we could thrive, we could flourish, so we could be happy. He made us in a way so that we could experience love more. And, and so when we live according to his plan, we're going to live greater happiness. We're going to experience more love. And, and, and God loves us so much, he didn't just come up with this plan and hide it, you know, in a closet somewhere up in heaven. No, he, he revealed his plan to us. He gave it to the prophets and to Moses in the Old Testament, but he gave it fully in his son, Jesus Christ. And that plan's been passed on throughout the centuries through scripture and the tradition and the teachings of the church. He, he, Jesus loves us so much, he gave us the plan. 
And when we hear people say, you do you, it's just, that's like a rejection of that plan. It's a rejection of God's love. He loves us so much. He showed us, if you live this way, you will thrive, you will be happy. But when people choose not to live according to God's plan, they want to do you. They just want to do their own thing. When they, when they do that, they're not happy. They don't know the art of living. And they'll end up confused, frustrated, disappointed in life. They'll end up being a slave to their emotions, to their feelings. They won't be able to rise above their fears. They won't be able to rise above their emotions. And they'll always be a slave to just their passions. And they'll never be happy. Their happiness will be like a roller coaster going up and down, depending on what's happening on the outside in their lives, their external circumstances. We need the art of living. We need virtue to help us to give the best of ourselves in life, to give best of ourselves to God and to the people around us. We need the art of living. But when we promote uh, you do you, you be you, we're basically saying, you know, I want to be God. I want to decide for myself what's right or wrong. I want to define for myself my life however I want. That's, that's so sad. And people get hurt. That's what Pope Francis says. Like when people live this kind of do whatever you want, anything goes kind of culture, it, it, they get wounded and they wound other people. Let's start loving people. Let's share with them the art of living. Let's share with them the, the, the plan that God has for our lives. Let's share with them about a virtuous life that leads to happiness. Let's not as Christians fall into the trap of you do you, you be you. I don't want to do me. I want to do Jesus. Thanks for listening, my friends. If you want to hear more about the art of living life well, uh, the great tradition of the virtues, you've heard me talk about it on this uh, on the podcast before, but you can check out my book, The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love. Uh, that's where I walk through all of those virtues we need to live life well, the basics on the art of living. You can check that out. Uh, and I will be praying for you as we approach the climax of Lent here. And please pray for me and my family. God bless.